You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night, everyone. Welcome to Monday Football Monday. It is January 8th, 2024, and we are presented by DraftKings, DraftKings Fantasy Sports. Check out what DraftKings has to offer this season with code SBNFL because life is more fun when you are in on the action. DraftKings, the crown is yours. Gambling column, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void or prohibited, see DraftKings.com. For details, as noted, it is Monday, January 8th, the Monday after week 18 in the NFL regular season. And as the SB Nation NFL show, we are very excited to talk about it. Make sure you subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show wherever you get your podcasts, Apple devices, Spotify. You can listen to us there. You can also watch us on the SB Nation NFL YouTube channel. When I say us, the incredible, the extraordinary Rachel Prevet on the ones and twos, as always, Mark Schofield is absent on this fine Monday. My name is Arjo Choa, and with me in the co-pilot chair is JP Acosta. JP the most talented writer at SBNation.com since Mark is not here. JP, I have something to say that I hope you're proud of, um, which I know is kind of a heavy way to come into this. Okay, I'm ready. Uh, so this past Friday, uh, my wife and I, my mom came along too. We took my son to Dave & Buster's. Um, had a good time, you know, played a bunch of games. He's, he's two, so he just kind of enjoyed all the lights and stuff. Um, so I really did all the hard work. Uh, but it came time to cash out. And uh, we had 1,800, I forget what they're called, tickets or credits or whatever. Uh, we got him a, a Mario plush because he's kind of getting into Mario, watching that a little bit. Um, and then we had enough to get a starter Pokemon. We had Charmander, Squirtle, and Bulbasaur at our disposal. No Pikachu there for anyone who is weird like that. Uh, but that being said, what would have been the proper choice in your estimation? And I'll tell you what we did, obviously. So my starter Pokemon was always Charmander. I, I like the process of Charmander, Charmeleon, and Charizard because Charizard is one of my favorite Pokemon ever. So Charmander's always my pick. Yeah, you can miss me with the like, well, technically the best way to start is with Bulbasaur because your first gym is the rock-based gym and all that stupid stuff. We went Charmander. So um, yeah. we're we're there. Uh, we park our cars in the same garage, JP, so I'm happy that we can make you proud. Did you enjoy all of the Week 18 regular season action across the Football League of National? All but one, really, yeah. <laughs> I had a lot of fun watching football outside of the 1 p.m. slate. Um. Yeah, it was a weird weekend um, in that there wasn't like a super consequential game. I thought the Saturday game, the first one was no offense, Rachel. I don't think any will be taken by you. Super boring. I don't know why we needed to see the Ravens in that time slot, given that they had nothing to play for. Um, cool. The Steelers won. Uh, and then they obviously went into cross their fingers, um, hope, cope mode. Um, and they ultimately got what they needed. Sorry. Saturday night was fun, though. Uh, congratulations to the Houston Texans who clinched the playoff berth. And as fate would ultimately have it, win the AFC South, uh, something that somebody around here predicted and was laughed at. And we will certainly get there. Uh, but uh, but Sunday, again, even the Dolphins-Bills game that we saw on Sunday night wasn't like 
epic. It was weird, uh, which is, I guess, kind of the MO of every Bills Dolphins game in general. But uh, we have a lot to get to. We're going to fly through some of these games. We're going to have some some kind of massive general takes. And then, of course, the playoff picture, the firings. It is Black Monday, after all, across the NFL. JP and the rest of our staff at SBNation.com are doing a wonderful job keeping track and tabs on all things. JP, spin the wheel. Where would you like to start? Oh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Should, should we should we do games? Should we do the playoff picture as it stands? Like what you know? Where how should we do this? Uh, we could kind of do like if we broke down like we could do the games. Okay, what game do you want to talk about first, JP? This is this is your moment. I mean, are we just gonna rip the bandaid off. I mean, I think we kind of have to because it was the most seismic um, game in terms of impact. Uh, I mentioned what happened on Saturday. The Jacksonville Jaguars lost on Sunday to the Tennessee Titans, which opened the door. Uh, obviously for the Pittsburgh Steelers to crawl in as the seventh seed in the AFC and for the Houston Texans who beat the Colts, as mentioned, to win the AFC South. The Jaguars, JP, lost 28 to 20. And I got to be honest, didn't really even feel that close. Um, You know, that gift at the end that they couldn't cash in on at the very, you know, down near the goal line um, felt felt a little bit fake, uh, you know, but would have been totally fine, obviously, if Jacksonville had been able to pull this off. This was a cataclysmic collapse from the Jaguars, JP. And some people are saying it all started with the waving of the terrible towel. So there's a point in this game where it's third and goal from the two. And they line up, the Jaguars line up in the T formation and throw a rollout pass to the third string tight end. And it's an incompletion. Then on fourth and goal, they try the, uh, the Lawrence leap where he sticks the ball out over the line, but the center gets absolutely obliterated. The guard is pulling for no reason. Nobody knows what play it is, and they end up getting stopped. That feels like a microcosm of the Jaguar season right there. It's embarrassing to go from eight and three to nine and eight, and not only go from eight and three to nine and eight and miss the playoffs, every loss was the exact same. The defense didn't know how to tackle. There were self-inflicted wounds, self-inflicted errors on offense from not being able to block up front to the most inexplicable turnovers to receivers not running the right routes. That is organizational failure. That is that is the top of this organization. The coaching staff, the GM, the management, they failed in creating this team because they looked at last year and they hung tough with the Chiefs in the divisional round. And we're like, yeah, we'll just run this back. We'll run it back without getting better, without seeing that everybody else in the conference got better. And so when you go nine and eight and decide to run it back outside of switching right tackles, nine and eight is what you get because you didn't actually get any better. This is the most important offseason in my lifetime as a Jaguars fan. It feels like this is critical not only for the future of the organization, but where they actually stand, because now you don't have the, you can't go into last year. You can't go into this off season. Like last year, we are like, Oh, this is now our division. You just lost the division to a rookie head coach and a rookie quarterback. The Colts were right there without their starting quarterback and a defense that was playing with a bunch of seventh rounders and UDFAs in the secondary. This is no longer a breeze for you you have to get better you have to do something something has to change whether it be a gm which i think is highly unlikely trent bulky survived urban meyer shot Khan loves that man 
coaching, I I would say the defensive coordinator probably changes. I don't know about offensive coordinator. If you remember, Press Taylor is the reason Doug Peterson got fired at Philadelphia. A uh, head coach, again, I doubt it, but something has to be drastically different about this team. You have to make a seismic change. So I think I think I agree with about 95% of what you said. The only thing I would, I guess, just tweak is, so I've said before that my comp for this is always the 2015 Cowboys. They acted like they could just pick right up where Des caught it. That's how they, they didn't, I won't even want to say build their team because they didn't. They just tried to run it back and you can't like, a hundred percent of history tells us you have to climb the mountain all over again. And I think that the Jaguars in a much smaller and fractional sense are similar to the 2022 giants who overachieved in the first year of the program, obviously. Um, and then kind of fell in love with that idea. There was a lot more to fall in love with, like that was legitimate with the Jaguars, obviously than the giants. And um, as a result, I was even, you know, don't want to say they fell flat on their face. They were eight and three. I mean, like they were really good. You know, they just had a horrible kind of end of the season. Um, and I think that they probably thought, oh, Calvin Ridley will be enough. Like, we don't have to do anything because we got Calvin Ridley coming back. Um, and he was enough in certain moments, but then he kind of faded in others. And so um, it just it just fell apart. And I think if I was a Jaguars fan, what would be the most concerning thing you kind of touched on it is this is no longer this like joke of a division, right? You've got D'Amico Ryans and CJ Stratton Houston. Shane Steichen um, is very, very talented, obviously, even if he's not going to win coach of the year. And Anthony Richardson coming back will only raise the floor for Indianapolis. Who knows what's going to happen with the team who beat the Jaguars in this game in Tennessee. But um, this is this is a tough situation. This, this was, you have to strike when the iron's hot. You have to get to the playoffs. You have to be there year in and year out. I even think that Chiefs game you mentioned, Mahomes missed you know a lot of that game and and maybe that kind of you know clouded how you felt about it like hey we hung with the Chiefs when it really again no offense to that loss obviously but it really wasn't like the Chiefs if that makes sense I think the most concerning thing for me is you're now entering an offseason where Trevor Lawrence had sustained multiple multiple injuries behind an offensive line that you believed was good enough this year after not being good enough last year and they got worse Luke Fortner might be the worst center in football i'm sorry that man has he is not good and just there's been regression along the interior of the offensive line walker little moved from guard to tackle back to guard and then just didn't play at all because they traded for ezra cleveland the only bright spot was anton harrison and he was a rookie something has to change up front because the major problems for this jaguars team manifested because they did not believe in their offensive line that third and fourth and goal sequence that i talked about they did that because they knew they couldn't run the ball. That was a problem the entire season. They tried to get too creative in the red zone because they knew they couldn't block. Trevor Lawrence sustained ankle injury, shoulder injury, concussion, all behind that offensive line. It's now to the point where, again, I tweeted it after the Ravens game, but I get real icky like Stafford in Detroit vibes from Trevor in Jacksonville and yeah, it's, so, it's going to hurt a lot. I asked you this right before you started recording. I saw uh, SB Nation alum Charles McDonald uh, had a tweet after Sunday Night Football that said, who will be Mike McDaniel's Stafford? Uh, in other words, like who, you know, who will he be the Sean McVay to in this situation? And um, the top response that I saw was Trevor Lawrence. Uh, and, and that just made too much sense. Like I didn't even apply any thought to it at that point. Cause I was like, Oh, like I'm not going to cover the answer this better than this. Um, it does kind of feel like this. It is amazing. Uh, speaking of Sean McVay and the Rams, how much 
the the meaningless win that the Jets had against them in 20 was it 20 um that like changed the dynamic of all of this I mean I, I do think that Trevor Lawrence and the stands around him yourself included are facing a really frustrating offseason because the conversation is going to be all about how he choked and all this and granted there was the injury and things like that but like it's kind of hard to put him in the like elite elite of AFC quarterbacks at this moment in time. And now he's eligible for a contract extension. Like, again, it's going to be a frustrating, you know, a few months, I think. So I am still of the belief that Trevor Lawrence is good to very good. I think the fumble problems and the just the ball placement issues, especially when like you can tell he's pressing are an issue. But I also think that this team is built upon. Trevor Lawrence having to make every perfect play for them to actually be in a game. He has to be absolutely perfect because that's what happened last year when they made the playoffs. Trevor played out of his mind against Dallas, against Baltimore in the the first Titans game before the season winning one. In the second half of the Chargers game, the, that Chargers game kind of felt like, oh, this was this was the Jaguars, you know. The quarterback plays bad, the team spirals. Quarterback plays good. They're one of the best teams in uh in football. But I still I am of the belief that he is still very good. I think this offseason is critical both for him and the front office. Because again, they cannot go into this thinking we can remain the same up front. You're already going to you're gonna re-sign Calvin Ridley. I I don't think that is a I don't think that's a question. You're going to end up giving a second round pick to the Falcons for re-signing Calvin. Well, actually, right. they're not because they're not extending him mid-season. I don't know if they'll get second. They'll probably get a I third. Did, but I that seems like a way too convenient, like you know, loophole um, to explain. Yeah, but maybe it's, it's possible. I mean, we'll see. I don't think they put in that that trade like those trade details if they weren't going to extend him or re-sign him. So they might let him enter free agency, but kind of have like a gentleman's agreement that, yeah, we're going to re-sign you. Um, I think they end up franchise tagging Josh Allen. And from there, you you got to work on the, on the offensive line and the defensive line. You cannot go into this next season with the same group because that was ultimately the weakest point, the interior of both lines. And it ultimately got Trevor Lawrence hurt. He was playing hurt since the Bengals game on Monday night, which is really where the season really kind of went to went down. Right. Um, Jaguar season is over. The Titans season has been over. We're recording or streaming this at uh, it's not almost 1030 Eastern on Monday. Uh, Mike Vrabel is still the head coach of the Tennessee Titans at this moment in time, although there's obviously been a lot of speculation there. Um, I guess to kind of uh, we're going to be kind of hopping all over the place um, today. Um, an update on coach firings, Black Monday um, situations. Again, uh, we're tracking everything that you need to know at SBNation.com, so check that out. Um, the only two coaches that have been fired at the moment, JP, that have joined, obviously, the list of, uh, let's see, entering Sunday, we had Frank Reich had been fired by the Carolina Panthers. Josh McDaniels had been fired by the Las Vegas Raiders. Brandon Staley had been fired by the Los Angeles Chargers. Am I missing one that had been fired before Sunday? I don't nope. think so. Um, okay, so we had three openings. Um, literally, as the clock basically struck midnight uh, on Monday, uh, 12.02 a.m., I think, was the time. Uh, the Atlanta Falcons fired Arthur Smith after three straight seasons of going 7-10. and 10. 
And on Monday morning, the Washington Commanders announced uh, the inevitable, the departure, the firing, the dismissal of Ron Rivera. Um, they seemingly waited because Sunday was his 62nd birthday, I believe. So happy belated uh, to Ron Rivera. That one, not really shocking at all. The Arthur Smith thing, I guess we can talk about the Falcon Saints game. Um, dude, what an ultimate loser moment for Arthur Smith. Oh, my gosh. Like, I, I, So the amazing thing to me about this was that I say all the time, it's very, very, very difficult to get the entire Internet to agree on something. Right. Like it's very it's almost impossible. And this was actually something where I the moment I saw it, I thought, like, maybe there is someone who is going to be all, hey, this is a little bit unprofessional. Hey, whatever. The running up the score. Like, I, th I think if this was maybe anybody else, somebody would have had that take. But everybody wasn't just, you know, in agreement that Arthur Smith was wrong. Everybody was like, what a loser. Like, what a horrible, like, bad look for him, blah, blah, blah. This was a really tough scene for Arthur Smith and his final one with the Falcons, JP. I think everybody in this comes out looking lo a little bit like a loser. So <laughs> for a little bit more context, so Dennis Allen told Jameis Winston to take a knee. Right. Dennis Allen, head coach of the New Orleans Saints, the head coach, the one who manages and, and basically is like, the top guy on the team. Jameis Winston said, bump that. Uh-uh. We're scoring. This is a team decision. I would feel both of these guys, Arthur Smith and Dennis Allen, should probably be fired. Because you don't recover as a, as a head coach from your team saying, yeah, we're not listening to you. Like, we do not care what you think. Like, James, I said, slightly disagree. They, they didn't like violate like a huge thing. Like, what they did was in the name of like their teammate, you know? Like, it was, I mean, but I mean, but still, probably, like, they open. You, you have a point. You have a point that they very at least obviously feel comfortable defying their head coach, like but in James some ways. Censorship said, right. Yeah, this was our decision. Dennis Allen told us not to, but we decided to do it anyway. There's no coming back from that. You got to spend the whole offseason thinking about, like, dang, my my players don't listen to me when I tell them something. Like, that's incredibly crappy. That's a really tough scene for everybody. I will say it's incredibly funny that Jameis pulled the trigger on this one. I think that it it's is funny. the most famous moment. I love Jameis Winston. I think it is perfect. But, yeah, this is just a really, a really, really bad ending for Arthur Smith. Getting... 48 dropped on you by the Saints is really tough. Dude, I mean, what what was the good moment of the Arthur Smith era? Like what like what was the moment? Like was there a moment where you were like I could see it? Like it's possible. I mean, like it it's it's been like DOA and I I think it's been unfair and not cool how people have held his, you know, upbringing or whatever his family against him like, you know, I, I don't know that a lot of people gave him a fair shot to kind of prove he was uh, an NFL head coach. And you can certainly argue that he was in positions to have that job, you know, because of that, whatever. But I mean, again, it, it felt like a lot of people um, were against this from the very beginning, but he did himself no favors. I mean, like he, he dug his own grave on this. Like he, he was very, very purposefully arrogant and terse and short in just about every single press conference and acted like the smartest guy in the room. And like anybody with any idea was stupid um, and completely and totally, you know, took three prospects. who we were all very, very excited about in Kyle Pitts, Drake London and Bijan Robinson and destroyed them. They are the, um, what's the, I don't know what the car is, but in the meme, the like Ferrari in the, like the poor house, you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. that's, that's what he did. He was like, get in here, get into the carport, baby. We're going to trap you forever. It kind of feels like that meme from The Simpsons where Homer Simpson's like, everyone is stupid except me. But no, man, you try, you, he constantly was like trying to outsmart everybody 
by throwing by using Johnu Smith to throw passes to McCall Pruitt. Like, what are you? Do- you don't have to be. The- you don't have to try and be the smartest guy ever. I think ultimately the biggest thing for Arthur Smith was the multiple, multiple missteps at the quarterback position. Not only like I, of course, there was some contract stuff, and the Ravens ultimately weren't not, were not going to let him go. But the Falcons openly saying, "Yeah, we're not going to go after Lamar Jackson. We're good with Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke." Like that's a really, really tough thing to do. You could have just kept that behind closed doors. The trust in Ritter and Mariota before him, you just con- the constant missteps. Ultimately, thinking that you can play these guys and kind of get marginal play out of them, despite surrounding them with really good talent. That's ultimately what did Arthur Smith in. I think he has not been, he hasn't been good enough offensively. And for a guy who was supposed to be an offensive guru, he was not good enough. Um, Arthur Smith out in Atlanta. We'll see what happens, obviously, with Dennis Allen in New Orleans. It would be a huge mistake. I think you agree, obviously, for New Orleans to say, hey, we won this game. Let's keep Dennis Allen. Like, well, relax. Let's let's maybe not do that. Um, Additionally, we mentioned Ron Rivera was dismissed as the head coach of the Washington Commanders. Uh, By all measures, Ron Rivera is a stand-up human being, but a horrible football coach. Um, I think that there have been, I'm, I might be getting this wrong, but I think there have been five teams to win a division with a below 500 record. Ron Rivera was the head coach for two of them. Uh, once in Carolina, obviously the lone season he won the NFC East in Washington. Uh, the Commanders kept things a little bit close, uh, closer than I would have liked JP on Sunday against Dallas on his birthday, as mentioned, but ultimately lost 38 to 10. He is out. We'll see who the new head coach is. Um, the uh, bombshell, to use the verbiage that the national insiders were using uh, with Washington on Monday morning is that um, Bob Myers is um, joining the Commanders, who obviously has made his success for the most part with the Golden State Warriors. Uh, so Josh Harris now trying to do the um, flashy thing uh, with uh, Washington, throw his money around. We'll see if this works. Um, I mean, I don't have like a passion to take on this. I don't know if you do. This feels like a Harbaugh spot. This feels like one of the places. This feels like one of the talking franchises. Talking about Jim, to be clear. Just yeah, so Jim Harbaugh. Not John Harbaugh. Right. Not John Harbaugh. Yeah, Rachel yeah. almost panicked. Just yeah, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> the fam, the family. Uh, Jack Harbaugh would not have to drive very far. Um, Jim, I think this makes sense for Jim coming back. I mean, you're going to get a top two pick. You're going to get a quarterback coming in. But this feels you have, an owner, you have an owner with a faucet of a of a bank account. Like yeah, I mean they're, yeah. they're going to be willing to spend money because they want to try and make that. This feels like the Broncos last year with the new ownership group and coming in and trying to make a big swing, and then they hire. He's their he's their Russ. Yeah, because you need you need a face. You you need a face and a spokesman for the the new era, and that's what Russ was for Denver. It certainly wasn't Hackett, obviously. I mean. No, that. I'm talking about the uh, the new group that came in. Uh, right, right, but that's like, I know group. that they can't. I know they landed after Russell Wilson, but like in general, the like they need you know this Washington era because it's the second year of Josh Harris's ownership and the first where he really has like his hands over everything. Yeah. They need a front man for this, and it, even if it is like Drake May, like it can't be Drake May. Like you know what I'm saying? Like when you're revamping like this, they might even change the name again. Like you need somebody with a lot of cachet, uh, and Jim Harbaugh certainly checks that. that yeah, works. Jim Har. This feels like a spot where. They're going to actively go after Jim Harbaugh. I think getting this search firm in place with Rick Spielman and Bob Myers, this feels like a, hey, we're actually being serious. We're moving <laughs> up our act a little bit. You know, we started going to the gym a little bit. Hey, look at us. I 
don't know if Jim takes the job, but I feel like this would this wouldn't be a bad spot for him. I mean, Washington has skill position talent. That's still a thing that they have. The quarterback you need to figure out, and the defense needs a lot of reupholstering, but I wouldn't mind it. I, I do feel like this is a Harbaugh or bust kind of situation. The um, Monday morning featured a report from Jordan Schultz of Bleacher Report that the Las Vegas Raiders are expected to have interest in Jim Harbaugh. Uh, before we get to the Raiders, um, do we agree that this feels like the return of Jim to the NFL? Like, I know it's it's happened like every year, but like this really feels like it, and, and, and especially if Michigan walks off on Monday night with the national title. This feels like, it feels like tonight might be the last night Jim Harbaugh coaches in college football. I think mm. last year with the whole, uh, he interviewed with the Vikings before they hired, uh, or not last year, even say, before. It was, yeah, two years ago when, yeah. when KOC got that job. I wouldn't Hunt even say he interviewed as much as he was like, you're giving me this job, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like he, he just I want to go to the Vikings and they're like, ah, never mind. <laughs> but it feels like he has constantly like been angling to get back in the NFL. And it feels like this year is the, Good jumping off point. Um, okay, so I guess quickly on the Raiders, do we have to talk about them beating the Broncos twenty-seven to fourteen? I guess Antonio Pierce is Keep Antonio Pierce. Hopefully, I mean, if, if they don't hire him, I do think that like football culture is going to outrage against them. It is. So. First of all, I don't know if the Raiders have enough money to make a big name hire. Uh, <laughs> second, I think Mark Davis still has in mind the fact that the last time. They fired a head coach midseason, and the interim got the players behind them, and they almost made the playoffs. He went and hired Josh McDaniels. You can't make that same mistake again. You can't do it. Antonio Pierce has gotten – I'm not going to say, like, he's gotten the Raiders to play really good, but he's gotten them to play with more energy and passion than any Josh McDaniels outfit I've seen in Vegas. Like, he's able to – work with and connect with those guys on a better level than any outstanding head coach or any head coach in waiting that they'll probably hire. I think this is a great, great starting point for Antonio Pierce and his head coaching kind of career. You, you use the word icky talking about the Stafford Lawrence vibes. It would feel kind of icky. Um, and look, Antonio Pierce has his own, you know, skeletons or whatever with what happened at Arizona state, but it would feel kind of icky for this. Like is ever the, the Antonio Pierce story kind of feels good. Kind of feels like a Raiders one, right? Like, you know, hire the former player, the dude, you know, that everyone's kind of rallying around. It would feel icky to be like, oh, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to bring in Jim Harbaugh. Like, <laughs> like you know, so um, I, I'm I'm kind of – we're all rooting for Antonio Pierce at this point to get the it, job. It would also be really hard to, to get other assistants, you know, to work right. for a guy a who, hey, if things go wrong and you end up getting the interim spot, say you work with this team really well, they're going to – dump you out and hire the next hot shot offensive coordinator. So I think this is the perfect Antonio Pierce and the Raiders absolutely fit. They should not make a change. I would, if they keep Antonio Pierce, I would keep an eye on this team for Justin Fields. Uh, yeah, I know that everybody's obviously quick to connect him to Atlanta um, and whatnot, but um, I would love that. I would be a lot of fun, uh, especially with Devonte Adams. If he stays, obviously, Oh man, that'd be um that'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, let's try to fly through the uh, meaningless games so we can just kind of you know get done with it. it like cool. we're at the point of the meal where like okay, we'll just eat the green beans and the asparagus and then we'll save like the steak and potatoes for like you know, yes. later. Um, the Browns uh, lost the Battle of Ohio, thirty-one to fourteen. Congrats to the Bengals. This is the first division in like a million years to finish with every team above five hundred. Pretty cool, but also pretty sad. So, 
it makes you really think what could have been if Joe Burrow was like fully healthy. Like, it, I mean, it, it I hate to do the like, if, what it, I, I hate to do the like, if I had told you, but like, if I had told you that every team would be above 500 and that only the Bengals would miss the playoffs, like, there's we would have never believed that. Like, it would have no been shot. impossible. Yeah, no shot. Um, but yeah, this was a this was a game that happened. That's really all I have to say about it. So, um, can't wait to see the Browns in the playoffs. Uh, the Jets, JP, won 17 to three. Uh, did you see the Brees Hall thing at the end of this game? No, I did not pay attention. I hope you didn't because I, I would love to break this too. I, so I honestly didn't see this because I was getting ready uh, for the Cowboys game, but I saw this on Good Morning Football today. Uh, so this was, you know, week 18. So a lot of like incentives and things like that and like records and stuff that teams were chasing, especially, you know, once games were decided or if they were meaningless, like in this case, uh, Brees Hall, the Jets were trying to get him a thousand yards on the season and they thought that they got it. And granted, this was like with 11 seconds left in the game. Um, technically speaking, they could have called a timeout and, and tried one more time. Uh, Robert Sala was asked about this after the game in his post-game press conference, and he mentioned that there – he used the word mathematician. He said their mathematician miscalculated and that Brees Hall actually finished six yards shy. Of oh, I'm so mad. <laughs> I would be so mad. And I would, I would not show up to work the next day. I mean, like, how is that possible? Like, it, like you, there's no math involved. Just like, li like literally any app in the world will do this for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, how how is this this fumble possible? This feels like so. I'm not sure if you uh, remember seeing it, but the University of Arizona this past year, a couple months ago, they reported that due to a slight slight clerical error, right? They ended up 240 million dollars in the hole and might have to cut other sports en route to the Big 12. This feels like that. Somebody made a clerical error, and now Brees Hall finished six yards short of a thousand. I would not show up to work tomorrow. I would. I just no. I can't do it, man. Yeah, you I, can't do this to me. I was like, it's such a weird number to be off by two. You know what I mean? Like, if you were off by like, t like you finished ten yards shy or something like that. Like, okay, like you you carried the zero wrong or you know whatever. But like six, like how'd you do that? Like, um, just really really strange. Um, on the other side of this, the New England Patriots. Um, the season is finally over, thankfully. Mark Schofield not here to uh, properly lament. Zeke Elliott said that playing in the snow sucked. It um, is. What a, yeah. I saw, by the way, you um you like kicked the hornet's nest that is like weather Twitter. Uh, <laughs> recently, like you, I think it was on Saturday, right? During the Ravens-Steelers game, you were like, oh, this is bad because uh, it was raining. But you were like, snow would be worse. And everybody was just like dunking on you. They were like, no, this is so much worse than snow, JP. I didn't even Come say on. snow was worse. I just said I personally would not want to play in snow or cold weather. Everybody's like, oh, this is football weather. No, it's not. Nothing, nothing um, about this says football weather. That's just, it looked, that's just people trying to be, like, fake tough. It looked worse than the Ravens game, to be honest. Like, I think I would have – I would have rather played in the Ravens game, but I rather, would have rather sat in the crowd at the Steelers game. I mean, sorry, the Patriots game, if that makes sense. Because you can, like, layer up and protect yeah. yourself from uh, – you know. I actually have been to a Patriots game in New England where it was raining and it was horrible because, like, it's just never ended. So whatever. It's just the never-ending rain. It'd be, it would suck to sit in, especially because it's cold and windy. But playing in, I would hate playing in the snow. Just um, not fun at all. Who will Bill Belichick be the head coach of, by the way, in 2024? All, by the way, Gina Kelly, the incredible Gina Kelly, uh, said, um, let's just be grateful that cold weather is bad. I agree. Or let's agree that cold weather is bad. Yeah, I mean, all, I, I'm cold. Like, we, 
I'm cool with like 45 degrees if it's not super windy. You know what I mean? Like if I can have a jack, like that's nice. You know what I mean? Like I'm I'm all for like a nice brisk evening. That's not that's colder than brisk, but you know what I'm saying? I'm cool with that. But like the moment we start injecting other variables and elements, like I'm out. So. Any weather where I have to put on a jacket is cold. I'm I <laughs> I don't like playing in the cold. Where will Bill Belichick be the head coach next season, JP? I'm starting to kind of believe that he'll be back in New England. And it'll be back in New England, but with a that would be so boring. With a diminished role. Not say like it'd be without the GM tag attached. Like they would find an outside guy to come that would be so boring. somebody to bring in some new ideas. Because obviously, like Bill Belichick is still a very good developer of talent on the defensive side of the ball. But he just needs more. He needs different ideas. The kind of the brain meld of the Patriot way kind of got to him in the GM aspect. Mm. We're not need some new ideas. You need to sprinkle in like a little bit of a, hey, maybe let's go see what the Ravens are doing or let's go see what the Chiefs are doing. You know, go grab some of those guys and just insert some new blood, some new life into the Patriot way. You know, it's not going to look like it did in 2010, but maybe like a remix version would be cool. I think that we are very confident that the Jets are going to look the exact same, uh, which is why they're so funny. I don't know if you've seen this floating around, but while we've been um, streaming slash recording, Aaron Rodgers took to the podium for who knows what reason um, and was asked what has to be different for the Jets. Because he, first of all, he said he wants to come back for not just next year, but for beyond that. He wants to play multiple seasons for the Jets, JP. So buckle up. Uh, but asked, and these are my words, I'm paraphrasing. Uh, what Aaron or the Jets have to do differently. He said they have to flush the BS. The quote I'm looking at here on Twitter is, the BS that has nothing to do with winning needs to get out of the building. These are words that were said by Aaron Rodgers, JP. <laughs> you know that meme from I Think You Should Leave in, where he's in the hot dog costume and he's like, we're all trying to find the guy who did this. You did it. You're the one who brought on the BS. For someone who yeah, played Yeah, I got to be honest. Season. That that meme's always gone over my head. That's one of the like that's a pop culture hole for me. I don't understand that meme and that reference. Maybe afterwards you can educate yeah. me. Uh, but I agree with you. Like on Aaron Rodgers, like what? Like what do you mean? Like what? Like are you, okay, Aaron. See you later. Like see you on Wednesday when you go to your McAfee hit. You know what I mean? Like what? Like this yeah. Is... Like we the season was perfectly fine without distractions until you went throw Rogan on Pat McAfee show. Like you don't have to. He oh my gosh. <laughs> he is. The biggest just attention, like he wants attention. He craves it. But like, dude, to say to get the BS out the room that doesn't have to do with football, nothing happened this year. <laughs> like, there was none of that. You were the main source of those problems. So are you just saying you should just be back on the field? Cool. That you can just say that because we all saw that. Like, yeah, the biggest thing that needs to change is you need to actually play. The um, Kansas City Chiefs beat the Chargers 13-12 in a game where Patrick Mahomes and everybody sat. Do you have a passion to take on this game? Chargers fans get real familiar with LSU receiver Malik Neighbors and Georgia tight end Brock Bowers. Okay. That's all we got because this game stunk. I mean, this was nobody enjoyed this. Um, the Seattle Seahawks, JP, outlasted the Arizona Cardinals 21-20 to and then took some heat for smoking cigars. As I understand – was it Julian Love um, who – okay, so Julian Love uh, shared that um, he recently had a child, and so he wanted to kind of savor the moment with his teammates and smoke some cigars. Cigars are 
obviously generally um something you smoke i guess in the, in the locker room after you clinch a playoff or if they win the division or win the super bowl or whatever the case may be so a lot of people were dragging the seahawks for doing this um for barely beating the arizona cardinals um although julian loves you know his story checks out to me. You know, I smoke cigars. Even if there was no kid born, like it's the end of a season. Just chill, man. Like you know, you're hanging out with your buddies. I'm fine with this. Like I, I, I get upset and, and make fun of a lot of things, but like this one I'll pass on. We care far too much about how people celebrate in the NFL. And let them, let them have fun. They won a game. They all finished the season relatively healthy. Let them smoke with victory cigars. I think Alabama, of course, college NFL is very different. Alabama smokes victory cigars after every win, including wins over like Middle Tennessee. <laughs> let, let them have fun. Let them celebrate. Establish the fun, if you will. Exactly. We are establishing the fun. Mm. Let them celebrate a 60 minutes of hard work. You go to work. People go to work, you know. You come home and you just want to celebrate, being like, "Dang, I got." Through yeah, it. some people, they, you know, what's the like, you know, the cliche? You get home, you crack open a cold beer. This is that. That's all they're doing. They're just having. It's just a hard beer. day of work. Yeah. Wow. I'm relax. glad we're we're simpatico on this, JP. Good for us. Um, I don't think we have to address Saturday's games because we kind of already touched on them. The Buccaneers won. Do you want to call it that? Nine to nothing in Carolina. A win is a win. They are NFC South champions. NFC and South champions. Good for Baker Mayfield. Like, that is really cool. Like, dude was thrown away by a lot of people, a lot of teams. And, again, I know that the Bucs aren't exactly intimidating or terrifying. But, like, good for – this is a real division title, real, you know, playoff appearance for Baker. They completely and totally earned it. So, good for him. And I also want to say good for Todd Bowles. I mean, this team was 4-7 at a certain point in the season. They looked dead in the water. They're able to get to the playoffs. And – I mean, based on the way that their opponent has looked over the last six or seven weeks, it's not out the wood. It's not completely out of the realm of possibility that they might pull an upset. But um, I, I mean, I'm not saying they will. But look, you're in now. You're in the dance. And you have a quarterback who constantly has too much dip on his chin. That is going to lead to a lot of problems both for you and for the other team. Let's let's make it happen. They're, they have a chance to be pretty fun. We'll get to the playoff matchups shortly. Um, I guess to quickly kind of wrap up week 18, the Lions beat the Vikings 30 to 20. The biggest kind of thing from this game uh, was the Sam Laporta injury. And it remains unclear exactly how long he could be out, obviously. Um, Dan Campbell, I saw, was taking some heat for having starters play, you know, as deeply as he had them in. Uh, now, granted, Detroit technically had something to play for, had Dallas and Philadelphia both lost. Uh, but this did feel a little bit like Dan Campbell being Dan Campbell. and you know, there's pros and cons to that. And, and you could argue this was somewhat in the con category. I'm I'm here for it being the pro because you still had the chance to get the uh the two seed. You always want to you always want to get that opportunity to be the two seed and kind of make your path to the Super Bowl a little easier. Sure. I mean, football is a real physical sport. People are gonna get people are gonna get hurt. There's gonna be free accidents that happen. I'm fine with the starters playing that deep because you were you still had something to play for i mean the eagles played their starters like through the first half Ooh, and looked wow. <laughs> looked pretty bad so i think i would be a little more concerned about the lions pass defense looking not too great especially with dafford and cup and nakua and sean mcveigh coming to town that concerns me a little bit We'll get there. Um, the Green Bay Packers uh, are headed to the playoffs. 
with Jordan Love, 17-9, the final score. Look, I really want the Bears to be good. I have such a soft spot in my heart for them. My dog's name is Bear. I just like the vibe of, of Chicago. Like, again, I'm, I really am trying to manifest. But, dude, stop embarrassing yourselves. Like, this was – they talk some trash, and they just got – like – he, they they're like i don't know that it's aaron Rodgers or jordan love that owns them but the packers like the if ever if everybody owns the packers they all also also own the bears like this is so embarrassing i don't remember who said uh the last time the last time the bears beat the packers was also the double doink year which feels like lifetimes ago mm-hmm. but i do want to say that i while I did have the Packers winning the division, which they clearly didn't, I did think this team was going to be a playoff team. And I was a lot higher on Jordan Love. It looked rough early, but we held on. We had diamond hands. Dude's good. He's good. I He's really good. I like, mean, I, they, they've done it again. I mean, which is frustrating, obviously, for the Bears and everybody else. It, it would be, like, so kind of funny if the Lions have this one like NFC North year and then the Packers just like return to like complete and total peak form next year. And it's, it's all over. And I think the coolest thing is you can see the young receivers growing with love. You can see them developing. Dontavian Wicks had a great game. Bo Melton was playing really well. Jaden Reed was awesome this entire year. They're going to be a team like right now they're playing with house money at this point. Like let's relax. Let's slow down on that. This was not a a team that was supposed to be here, but. Now that they are, it could be pretty fun. I'm I'm glad to see Jordan Love getting a chance to show off the arm. He had he made some throws yesterday that were just absurd, where he's just like he has such confidence in his arm and the accuracy downfield. It looks so cool. Like again, it's evident that he watched Aaron Rodgers for the last four years because it looks kind of similar. Like the play fakes and the the throwing off the back foot looks kind of similar. Have you um have you seen the movie Troy? It's like twenty years old at this point, but have you seen oh. the, the Brad Pitt? Yeah. Um, so it's about the Trojan horse. I don't know if you're familiar with the story in Greek mythology. Mm-hmm. Um, and Brad Pitt plays Achilles, the like mighty warrior. Um, and I don't know if you care about me spoiling a twenty year old movie for you, or if you do ratio. Uh, but it so Achilles is this like indestructible warrior. Like he just kills everybody. Uh, and again, Brad Pitt plays him and he has a cousin who's like in the army and they're trying to, you know, take over the city of Troy. Um, and one morning they're like, you know, there's a battle that's going to happen. And Achilles's cousin throws on his own armor um, and goes out and like leads the charge. And he's just like kicking ass and he's like fighting and doing everything. And all the soldiers are like, yeah, let's go. Achilles, Cause they think it's him. Um, and then he dies and everybody's like, Holy crap, Achilles died. And they take off his helmet and they realize, oh, man, this is Achilles' cousin. This this really sucks. Like, who, who's going to go tell Achilles? And so they go tell him. And he's obviously pissed off because he's like, well, why'd you let you know, this happen or whatever? And the dude you know, who's, like, telling him, he's, like, punching him in the face. And the guy says, you know, he wore your armor. He even moved like you. And that's exactly what I think about when I think about Jordan Love and, like, Aaron Rodgers. Like, he was in the armor. He moves exactly like him. It's really scary and really frustrating. Yeah. it's They, they did it again. You know, the Packers did it again. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams won a game with Carson Wentz at quarterback against San Francisco of all teams. <laughs> Sean McVay just, how does he do it? He's had a real big glow up, man. Like, I do think that a lot of people checked out on him last year. Um, and 
I think he did that to himself in a lot of ways, obviously, um, with his like, you know, flirting with broadcasting and flirting with that's what I'm saying. Like he he took himself out of like legitimacy in some conversations with how much he was like thinking about leaving. And like, look, his personal choices are his personal choices. But I I do think that's why everybody kind of started to back off of Sean McVay in terms of love and adoration. But man, he can coach football like he is so freaking good. I think the development now for Sean McVay should be, oh, he's one of the best play callers in the NFL, too. Like you said, he's one of the best coaches in the NFL, right. full stop. I think last year there were a lot of rumors of like, oh, he could retire and like go to Fox to commentate on games. He's going to have a child. I don't know how long he's going to be around coaching. But no, this is one of the most impressive coaching. This is one of the most impressive coaching jobs of the year, you know, getting – Getting that defense to play at a passable level with seventh round rookies and Aaron Donald in it, and also getting just fantastic play from a fifth round receiver in Puka Nakua, who broke records this year. He is the single season record holder for rookie receiving yards and receiving touchdowns. Like, that's super impressive from a coach who we thought was not going to be coaching this time next year. So, I'm I, it's really impressive what Sean McVay has done and just the development of the Rams offense from we kind of associate them with the wide zone, outside zone boot action, like the stuff that made Jared Goff, Jared Goff, to now they've just completely morphed into a duo gap running. We're going to get a lot of yards after the catch and we're going to let our awesome quarterback make no look passes over the middle of the field. It's super cool how all of that kind of developed over the last five, six years. Um, we have one more game and then we can kind of, we have some coaching things to hit and discuss the playoff matchups, but the, um, cause we talked about Dolphins Bill a little bit. Um, I mean, I guess we talked about this. The Giants destroyed the Eagles 27 to 10. And that score feels pretty generous, honestly. Um, this was, look, I enjoyed every second of this, uh, but um, <laughs> the Eagle, I don't even know the Eagles are down bad. Like I like that's not a proper way to explain what is happening to them at this. They were ten and one. Like they were ten and and like I and I think a lot of people, yourself included, thought they were fraudulent. Like if you want to, that's a heavy word, but to use. But like this is more than that. Like th this was like y'all were some capital F frauds. I would be concerned. The alarm <laughs> bells are going off. This is really bad because I I tweeted it, but. Going from Sean Desai to Matt Patricia has to be one of the worst in-season coaching changes in NFL history. Like the the ones that don't have to do with changing head coaches. You know, like what was the point? Like, what were you trying to get new new play calling, new design? Because everything looks the same. Everything looks worse. You managed to make you managed to do like the SpongeBob meme where he throws the uh. The fire hide the fire extinguisher at the burning grill and ends up blowing up the crusty crab. That's the, that's what you're doing. That's what Matt Patricia's doing. You took a problem defensively and made it into a glaring major hole that could ultimately sink this season. And then we haven't even talked about the AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts injury. Like this is really this is in, this is a horrendous way to end the season. I, this is also like the kind of end that like ripples it beyond just this. Like that's difficult, you know, to kind of flush or whatever. Um, but like, I think it's always funny when this happens, unless it's to your team. But there was the report, the like, uh, you know, the most recent report that they had a players only meeting. The loss after a players only meeting is like 
one of the toughest scenes of all time. Like, you know, like, oh, we're, this is it. We're going to rally together. And then you don't just lose, but you get like blown out and you get blown out by like a really bad team. Um, so yeah, it like, it's kind of easy to see significant changes having happening for the Eagles in the off season. And they might be one Monday night playoff game away from those beginning. Um, so we'll get to the playoff matchups in a moment. Uh, uh, by the way, I just saw this quote from Garrett Wilson, um, who said, I hear I had a good year with a question mark. It was the worst year of my life. <laughs> so, uh, Please help this man. He's like 24 years old and it's all uh, down in the dumps. Do we talk Dolphins Bills? Um, what? Did we talk Dolphins Bills? I mean, we kind of did. I mean, you know, we said it was weird. I mean, I figured we would kind of unpack that as we get to the because we have the playoffs. Okay, to get yeah, to we, no, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Okay, quickly um, on coaching news. The commanders have put in like a billion interviews. They've like, um, you know, scattered like requests. Um, so they've requested uh, an interview with Lions offensive coordinator Ben Johnson and Lions defensive coordinator Aaron Glenn for their head coaching job. They have put in a request, JP, for their open GM position uh, with Bears assistant general manager Ian Cunningham. Uh, so they've, you know, they're busy uh, right now. And I, I'm trying to catch up. There was another one uh, that I saw. A second ago, um, go ahead and your thoughts while I look. So oh, I'm sorry, it, uh, Raheem Morris uh, is who they uh, the other request they put in. So I kind of wonder if Ben Johnson actually like wants to be a head coach. I've said this before, but maybe like he's just cool with like drawing up plays and being just an offensive coordinator, which is fine. Like that's a really great way to make a living. Jim Schwartz really just wants Dan to Quinn. yeah, Dan Quinn, Vic Fangio. All yeah. seem to be very happy just doing their one thing. And it's perfectly fine to just want to do their one thing. Aaron Glenn is interesting because I think Lions fans have been kind of up and down with Aaron Glenn as their defensive coordinator. Sometimes it's looked good. Sometimes, like, man, you playing a lot of man defense for a team that doesn't have man corners. It's interesting, the Aaron Glenn thing. I actually really think Raheem Morris should get another coaching job. I think. He kind of he pulled blood from a stone with the uh, with the Rams defense this year. I would actually really like to see him in Atlanta. Washington would also work really well, but I think it, him in Atlanta, he has a lot of connections. I think it'd be pretty cool. Ian Cunningham is the GM is interesting because you know the Bears have kind of scrapped everything for parts and kind of built through the draft. So I wonder like what the look what the look like what it'll look like from there but i also wonder what who gets hired first is it going to be a combination thing or do we hire the gm first and let the gm have say on who gets to head coach i mean i think you have to go gm first and and let him run the head coaching hire like that's that's how proper organizations handle this and so i mean but you can have requests in but like who's conducting these interviews like josh harris and bob myers like that it you know what i mean like bob myers isn't your gm you know what I mean? So, like, I understand you want to have him, like, be a consultant or whatever, but, like, your GM has to be involved in that. Like, it has to be a partnership. Um, wow. Uh, okay. Are we ready for playoff matchups, finally? Unless anything let's else works. Um, so, let's go chronologically. Does that work? I think that makes awesome. sense. Um, so, the Cleveland Browns, as the top-suited wild card in the AFC, will visit the Houston Texans, who, again, sorry, JP, managed to win the AFC South, which, again, 
I don't, I haven't heard one bit of congratulations to me for, for predicting that um, way back in August, but you know, you're a little bit bitter and salty this morning. So I'll let it pass. Uh, that being said, uh, the Texans are home underdogs, which I don't think should be a surprise to anyone given, you know, the way Cleveland has looked, obviously, as of late, I'm pulling up the exact line at the moment, according to our friends at DraftKings Sportsbook, buying myself some time. The Texans are two and a half point home underdogs. JD. So I kind of get it, but at the same time, you know, CJ Stroud and this Texans offense has shown that they can, they can beat anybody, you know, like they, they can beat anybody anytime they have the offense to make, make things very interesting. Um, the one thing I'm curious about is how the Texans defend the Browns using play action. Joe Flacco has, Completely morphed himself into just a rocket launcher off of play action. I think his average depth of target is like 13 yards, which is highest in the NFL this year. They want to attack you vertically. And again, the last time the Browns played the Texans, Amari Cooper had 3 billion receiving yards. So defending that guy will probably be a problem for them. I, I just wonder if Houston has enough stops in them to get the win do they have enough defensively to get this because the Colts like again they were kind of a they were a good throw for Gardner Minshew away from potentially taking the lead in that game right so I I wonder how much how much they have defensively I kind of want to say I mean although the entire like last whatever like six weeks have like completely disproved this but like the Joe Flacco thing has to end, right? Like there's, it's just like, like, it's not going to like run all the way through. I mean, I recognize that it might, I recognize who we're talking about here, but like, you know, this, this, doesn't this kind of feel like that just, just a little bit, like you could totally see like Houston, you know, and I, I mean, I'm going to pick Cleveland, but this is, this is the pick that I'm the most upset about making. Cause I, I would love to pick Houston, but I can't do it, you know, in full consciousness. If anyone is capable of making a 2012 Joe Flacco run, why not 2023 Joe Flacco? Um, okay, so uh, but this uh, this is the best thing. Like I know what you said about the Colts, and again, sorry about the Jaguars, but like getting CJ Stroud in the playoffs is a win for football fans everywhere. So um, it will at the very least be very exciting to watch him and watch him against this defense. Um, although you know, not in a primetime window slot. I recognize it's an island game, but like, of course, they're gonna stick the Texans on Saturday afternoon. What about, yeah. Yeah. I am curious to see how Stroud looks against man coverage. The Browns play a lot of man coverage. They have the talent to play a lot of man coverage. CJ Stroud and the Texans have seen a lot of zone this year because they're in such heavier personnel. You play with a lot more linebackers on the field. They have a lot of soft zones. I wonder what the game plan looks like for man coverage against this Browns team because they are really good at playing man coverage and they have the speed to keep up. And, you know, they have Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett against Laramie Tunzel is going to be one of the best matchups of wildcard weekend. Um, Do you have Peacock? Yes. Okay, congratulations. This is going to be a hot topic. Um, This would be a great, not the store hot topic, but this uh, this would be a great article. I'm not telling y'all how to do y'all's job uh, for SBNation.com. Like, for, you know, the people who don't know, we're not going to stereotype anybody, but the people who don't know or the people who need information on how to get Peacock, you can point them in the right direction. Uh, the Saturday night game will be streamed exclusively on Peacock, which we were told five million times on Sunday. Uh, it will be the Kansas City Chiefs hosting the AFC East losing Miami Dolphins who are entering this whole thing 
with a whimper. Um, I saw, I think it was Warren Sharp had the take, and I, I thought this was really funny. This is like master manipulation from Roger Goodell because all of the Taylor Swift fans will sign up for Peacock. Like that's a, a big win uh, for NBC in that sense. The Chiefs are three and a half point home favorites, JP. So barely a half point, you know, on top of the home field advantage in a game that we talked about cold weather supposed to be like negative 10 degrees in terms of the feels like temperature. First of all, that's not football weather. Don't nobody, <laughs> nobody should say that's football weather or I will send you the the meme of Stone Cold Steve Austin hitting Vince McMahon with guitar. I um, love that. That it is, a lot. You use that a lot. It is a brutal way to end the season for the Dolphins, especially because they shouldn't have been in that situation in the first place. If you take care of business against the Titans with three minutes left up 14, you, mm. you win the division. That game mm. on Sunday does not matter. But mm. now you have to go to Kansas City in negative degree, in negative degree weather um, against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, who have already seen you once. But now get an extra week to prepare for you. Andy Reid after the bye. That's been said a million times too, right? Like, yes, yes. After a bye or with another, with a yeah, whole another week is, to prepare. Effectively a bye, right? The Dolphins will not have Jalen Phillips, Bradley Chubb, or possibly Andrew Van Ginkle, or mm. their fourth edge rusher who got hurt on punt last uh, last night when Deontay Hardy took the uh, touchdown back. <laughs> They might not have Javon Holland, who was playing on a snap, who was playing on a snap count. Xavier Howard's not going to play. <laughs> like, um, you're not, you might not have Waddle or Mostert. Like, this is this is a really really bad way to enter a game against Kansas City. The moment that Melvin Ingram dropped back in coverage was so funny. Oh, I mean, it was oh. just. <laughs> oh, I, I was like, no. <laughs> It's like it, and look, the horror movie and you see the person go into the woods. Like, don't go that way. Yeah, man. It's going to be bad. Um, I um, I don't mean to ruin the fun that we've had, but I am completely against single digit jersey numbers on, you know, at, at the very least defensive players. But like, you know, so I'm, I'm against this this radical change that we've been a part of for now two years. But like that just made it worse. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like watching Melvin Ingram in this single digit, like in, it was just such a in a in a like weird aqua futuristic dolphins uniform like it was such a horrible look i did not enjoy any moment of that whatsoever um but uh yeah this is like couldn't you totally see like tyreek hill having like two catches for like 19 yards and that just being like the only thing that anybody talks about the next week like oh the chief shut him down and his return to arrowhead i feel like this game is gonna go this this game might get a little bit into the grinder a little bit because again mm. despite it being the chiefs they have not looked the same this year of course you're going to go up against a Dolphins team that is very different from the Dolphins team you faced in Germany. I think the Dolphins offense is probably going to lean a bit more on the run game because you just you don't want to go into a game trying to sh go shoot out with the Chiefs without having your offensive line healthy and potentially without having Mostert or Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle's absence is massive. Or not massive, but you could feel it in the Bills game. You could feel they didn't have a second receiver they could trust. On the last interception to a through, he was throwing to Chase Claypool, who ran the wrong route. Nothing good ever happens when you target Chase Claypool. So it's just going to be – this is going to be a really, really important week for Mike McDaniel game planning-wise. How does he attack this Chiefs defense, who is going to throw a lot at Tua in terms of his eyes and what they show him post-snap? We're both picking the Chiefs, to be clear. 
Yeah. And we we reserve the right to change this because it's it's only Monday, but we're both picking the Chiefs. Um, okay, let's go to Sunday. Uh, the noon game, the Buffalo Bills as AFC East winners and the two seed. What a turn of events for the Buffalo Bills, obviously, will host the seven-seeded Pittsburgh Steelers, who squeaked in, obviously, because of everything that we mentioned. The Bills are 10-point favorites at home. This feels I it feels like a pretty generous line, uh, given the way that the Bills offense has kind of struggled at certain points, but I mean, I'm not willing to take the Steelers. I don't know about you. <laughs> this game is going to go one of two ways. Uh, the Bills are going to blow them out, or, or they're going to lose in the funniest game of all time. Like, that's just the, yeah. that's the only way this game ends. The Steelers are not good, but they have the capability of turning every game into a rock fight. And I do not want to face the Steelers' defense in a rock fight. They're not going to have T.J. Watt, potentially, because I think with the MCL sprain, I think they're saying that his hope is to be back for the divisional round, which that's, that's a lot of future planning. <laughs> <laughs> but I I don't know, man. Like I, the Bills should win, but it would not surprise me at all if this Bills team just completely like played the goofiest football of all time. Um, I don't know if you watched Josh Allen's post-game interview with Melissa Stark um, after the game. And it was actually really nice. Like, it was clear that, like, you know, the, the moment was kind of getting to him. And it was cool how he was like, I think we're playing the Steelers. And she was like, yeah, you are. Like, that was all, like, really cool and, and really authentic and genuine. Um, and he had a comment that I thought was authentic and genuine. and said, Because she was like, you know, talk about the end or whatever. And he was like, I wish it didn't always have to be that hard. And I was just thinking, like, it doesn't. <laughs> Like, like you, you're in, you're in direct control of this. Like, like, you know, it doesn't always have to be Stop playing chaotically and it can just be smooth and simple. Like you have the talent, but um, they just can't get out of their own way sometimes. But so we're taking the bills. I'm taking the bills, but it's going to be very funny if you get goofy goober, Josh Allen throwing picks across his body. <laughs> that was the funniest play of last night. On the fourth um, down, where they try to get it to uh, Diggs, but Van Ginkle blocked him. So he's running to his right. He throws the ball and just get com- gets completely like corkscrewed in midair, and just throws up the funniest interception to Deshaun Elliott. Um, Sunday afternoon, the Dallas Cowboys, as the two seed NFC's champions, will host those Green Bay Packers who we talked about. They are seven and a half point home favorites. They have not lost a game at home this season. I am a ten out of ten terrified. Uh, we got the NFL script writers did it, JP. They gave us Tyreek at Arrowhead. Um, they gave us the game we're going to talk about in a moment, but they also gave us Mike McCarthy hosting the Green Bay Packers in a playoff game. I have a lot of fear against a team with nothing to lose. JP, <laughs> what the hell, man? What the hell? I have been cool about the Jaguars. I'm, I've gotten you know the appropriate shots in, but I've been relatively cool. I could have been a lot meaner. I oh, go ahead, man. That that team stinks. Um, <laughs> It's it's tough, you know. I think the Cowboys should win because they're going to be at home, and the Packers' defense is really bad. Right. And I think again, they're one of the only teams that allowed the Carolina Panthers to score like double digits. On. Like they, I know that <laughs> that I started them in my fantasy playoff matchup, and it costed me. Like that's why I yeah. lost. Yeah, <laughs> like the, the Joe Barry defense is one that. Well, defense is a suggestion and not a requirement. <laughs> uh, I just guess I'm a little worried for the Cowboys defensively because, again, this Packers offense has nothing to lose. Matt Floor is going to come in with a really good game plan. And I just wonder how the Packers are going to get 
the linebackers for Dallas involved in their passing game. They use they use a lot of play action. They run a lot of deep crossers off of off of play action. I think that's going to be a big thing that they hammer against the Cowboys to try the kind to try and kind of isolate those linebackers. I'm going to pick Dallas, but again, a team with nothing to lose. We've seen Packers teams with nothing to lose go into go go to the Cowboys and come out with a win. I mean, I am terrified um, because of the Cowboys. Like, just it, I'd be terrified no matter what. But um, this is big. I mean, and this is what they went through. Everything they did, you know, to get to the chance to win this game and host a division around playoff game. The the round I can't get over. They haven't hosted a division around playoff game uh, since 2016 when it was against the Packers and Mike McCarthy was on the other sideline. Uh, so for the right to host another one, they have to go through the Packers with Mike McCarthy at the helm. I'm confident, obviously, but you're right. Like. Um, the Packers defense is just, I mean, it's, it's not trustworthy right now. And Dak is just playing out of his mind. I mean, like, so if, I mean, I, if, I feel very confident trusting the Cowboys. I'm just scared because it's a scary thing. That's all. So that's where I'm at. If, if the game turns into a shootout, I'm taking the Cowboys because I just think Dak and CD are playing at such a high level and Packers defense can't stop anybody. Um, if there's going to be a shootout, it's going to be the game after this. On Sunday Night Football next week, the Los Angeles Rams are visiting the Detroit Lions. The over-under for this is the highest of all six playoff games in the wild card round, 51 and a half. The Lions are only three-point home favorites, just straight-up home field advantage. Uh, Vegas believes that on a neutral field, they are equal teams. It's obviously Matthew Stafford's return to Detroit, and I'm guilty of this. I, I checked out Pride of Detroit um, on Sunday night. The the idea of it being Jared Goff's, you know, revenge completely like washed over me. Like I was so focused on the Stafford part of this. So like the, the Goff, you know, element and aspect was like completely in nowhere in my brain. I don't know if it was for you. I think the Goff revenge thing is kind of one-sided. I don't think the Rams think or care about <laughs> Jared Goff at all. They want a Super yeah. Bowl. With Matthew yeah, the Rams are like, okay, be pissed. Cool. It it's worked like, out. Yeah. It's like that meme where it's like, I don't think about you at all. Or like I like I I don't think the Rams care. <laughs> like this is a revenge game for Jared Goff. Okay, man. Like revenge That's for what? <laughs> but I would be very concerned if I was a Detroit fan because the passing game, the pass defense especially, has not looked good. The Rams have just carved, carved teams with motion and leverage. And I guess a team that plays a lot of man defense. I'm a little concerned because you're going to have to have the corners to stay with Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. That's going to be a problem. On the other side of the ball, I think the Rams have kind of a – they're kind of a bend-don't-break defense. They kind, they get a lot of big plays. You know, Byron Young has a lot of – has eight sacks, but doesn't really have, like, the win rate. He kind of is the, the cleanup guy. Aaron Donald is still Aaron Donald. That is the – you're going to have to block him with four out of the five offensive linemen. You can leave the other three defensive linemen to kind of – kind of chill but i think this is going to be a ben johnson like he has to call one of his best games because he's going to get the chance to get the edges of the rams defense in isolation so it's going to be a shootout but man it's it's tough to pick against a rams team that's playing with a lot of confidence right now kind of like the bill Steelers game i think this game goes one of two ways it's either the lions offense scores on literally every possession like just you know touchdown 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 field goal touchdown like just over and over and over again and maybe la is kind of going shot for shot with them or 
Aaron Donald has like some crazy strip sack fumble that gets returned for a touchdown that puts the Lions in like a 14 nothing hole early on. And then they're just chasing things all night long and get away from who they want to be. Um, so this is I mean, obviously, I'm looking forward to the Cowboys game, but this is the game I think everyone's looking the most forward to. I think it makes sense to be um, on Sunday night. Uh, the final game of the wild card round, JP, the Philadelphia Eagles, who lost the NFC East in basically every game since they beat the Buffalo Bills, um, will be visiting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Bucks played in this Monday night slot a week or a year ago. Excuse me. They hosted the Cowboys. Um, this sucks, by the way. Like, so there's a world where the Rams beat the Lions, obviously. And if the Cowboys beat the Packers, then the Cowboys get a rest advantage over a team for a divisional round playoff game. Like, that's so stupid that we do this. Like, NFL, nobody wants this. Uh, but nevertheless, the Bucs are two-and-a-half-point home underdogs, JP. So the Eagles and the Bucks played in week three this year. Right. These are two completely different teams. <laughs> like, it just feels the vibes are so different on both sides. For the Eagles, I would say F around if you want to because – I would not play around with this Bucks team. Um, I'm not saying it like the Bucks are a fantastic team. Of course, going nine and eight in the NFC South, you, you somebody had to win. But with the way that Baker Mayfield has shown that he can play against defenses that don't have that have major issues up the spine, like linebacker and safety, like they're going to isolate Chris Godwin against Nick Morrow for most of the game. And I know who I'm going to take in that case. The health of A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith is huge, and Jalen Hurts, because if they can't throw the ball to A.J. Brown, the offense just looks so static and lethargic. I wonder if the Eagles try and ball control it and try and just hammer away at the Bucks' defense to try and, like, turn this into a real, like, Army-Navy game. But Ugh. I would not play around with – Baker Mayfield, I'm not saying like Baker Mayfield again is like fantastic, but he has shown he is capable of absolutely like lighting up bad defenses. Dave Canales has done a great job of coordinating this offense and getting Baker Mayfield to throw the ball to his two best players. I mm, I don't know. We didn't pick the we didn't pick the Rams Lions game, by the way. So we need your we need your picks for those. Rams Lions and Eagles Bucks. Go. Um as of today, I'm going to say the Rams. And <laughs> I'm going to take the Eagles before you, you have a chance to do that. I'm, st- I'm going to give them one last benefit of the doubt. I mean, although I feel very not confident in it, obviously. I'm also going to give them the benefit of the doubt, but F around if you want to, because you'll find out real quick. Um, That concludes a massive show obviously um our portion the most important portion is yet to come rachel if you could please join us and let us know your takeaways from all of week 18 um how it feels to have jp constantly hate on your ravens um what it was like experiencing the eagles loss i saw you did um what, what did you call it like it wasn't like a therapy show but like a vent session or whatever yeah. we did the um, instant reaction show in the third quarter instead of waiting until the game was over <laughs> So if you could let us know your thoughts on that. And of course, if you could hand out the MFW MVP, please. 
Yeah. Um, I already told JP before the game, like before not the game, before the show started today, that I was rooting for the Jags because I, you guys know, I'm a Ravens fan. I live in a household where it's divided. So half of my household are Steelers fans. And so I was hurting a lot these last, you know, 18 hours. Um, one, when they lost, but of course it was to the backups. And then when the Jags loss and now the Steelers are in the playoffs like I have not been hearing enough of that for you know the last night and this morning so I was rooting for the Jags and it just sucks that they you know let us down um <laughs> but the injury you guys did I don't know if you guys touched on but for the Steelers um TJ Watt uh could be missing some time and so that's just something to be worth monitoring one of their best players uh possibly being out for the first round of the playoffs and so i don't know it's going to be interesting to monitor also you guys already mentioned the lions a rookie tight end uh sam laporta could be missing some time he's been a bright spot for them and so worth monitoring for the first round of the playoffs and then for the eagles i mean the biggest takeaway was just like in addition to them just collapsing in the, you know, down the last stretch, what, five of the last six games looking terrible, but like all the injuries, you guys already mentioned that uh, they could be really, really thin when it comes to like safety because uh, Sidney Brown also suffered an injury. Also, they think it might be a torn ACL. I think it's going to come out today at some point. Um, and so just on top of all of the AJ Brown and Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith didn't play, DeAndre Swift didn't play. They're just very uh, – Cam Jurgens, I think, got hurt. So it was just like so many injuries piling up, piling up after the MetLife's uh, field. Their turf sucks. And uh, another thing I did see Diana Rossini tweet out is a potential landing spot for Bill Belichick could be the Falcons. So, yeah. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, those are my biggest, like, takeaways um, at this point. And I'm going to give it to, I think, RJ. I think he did a good job today. <laughs> Well, JP won the first one of 2024, um, so now we're even, yes. uh, as far as I'm concerned. Um, JP, it was a great match. Uh, Mark wasn't here, so there's only one loser, and unfortunately it's you. But you're not a loser. Um, you're a winner. You're perfect in every single way. Um, and, yeah, football's fun. Establish it. And keep it established forever. Uh, JP, who wins tonight and why? I'm picking the Washington Huskies tonight to win the national championship. I think having an NFL quarterback and three NFL receivers is probably is going to be a problem against most college defenses. I think they will ultimately find a way to score points. If they can get to 30 or more, I struggle to think Michigan can score with them. Okay. Everybody have a good week. It's the playoffs.